You're listening to the next phase of Cybersecurity Podcast. With this series, you can stay up to date with all the latest information and trends in the cybersecurity space by hearing from today's leading analysts, end users, and vendors so that you can be prepared for all scenarios to help protect your business. Hello and welcome to the next phase of Cybersecurity Podcast and EM360 Production. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's show. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting fix. Now joining us in this week's episode is John Smith, who's the Director of Solutions Architects, Amir and APACT at Veracode. John's here today to discuss the current landscape of application security in relation to Veracode's new open source edition of the State of Software Security Report. So John, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today. Hi Max, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on and looking forward to kind of delving into this report and all things open source. But before we get into that, would you mind just giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself and Veracode? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the, well, I've been in the information security space for pretty much all of my working career. Um, And in particular, the application security space since around about 2004. I joined Veracode in 2012. And Veracode is an organization that specializes in application security testing. We do that in a pure software as a service model. So all of our customers are um, subscribing to our services on on an annual basis. And we're able to do all sorts of things that that help organizations to scale their application security processes and and programs, um, different types of testing like static analysis, dynamic analysis, and of course, software composition analysis, which is where uh, the subject matter for today comes from. Excellent stuff. And uh, it is an interesting area that we're going to be kind of delving into here. So... For listeners that don't know, Veracode has been producing an annual state of software security for the past uh, 11 years now, I believe, um, in total. But there's this new open source edition, which is kind of the first of its kind that's kind of come out. So what is this supplementary report all about and why did you decide to kind of carry out this extra research? Yeah, yeah. And you're right. It's It's been quite a long running thing, our state of software security report. And it's, it's something that actually comes out of our, our model because we are software as a service. We have a, a huge amount of data, a huge amount of information about the state of the security of the, the software that's being tested by our customers. And every year we, we mine that data in an anonymized format so that we can try and get an insight into what's going on with software, what's going on with the vulnerabilities that are being found. Now, as, as time has gone on through the years that we've been doing this, when we first started doing this, really, it was only static analysis that we were focused on. And so that was the, the source of information that we had. And over the years, we've added dynamic analysis, we've added software composition analysis. And it's, it's given us different perspectives on the state of software security, as the, as the name suggests. And in particular, last year when we, we ran the report, we were, we were very much looking at what kind of things influence the... Um, what kind of things influence how well application security goes in an organization? And we were kind of looking at, is it nature or is it nurture? You know, nature as in perhaps the programming languages you're using, the 
um, the, the, the size of application, the age of application, those kind of things? Or was it nurture as in the practices that you apply in your, your, your um, application security program? And one of the things that stood out quite strongly was that when you use a combination of different types of testing technology, that actually accelerates your ability to, to make your software more secure. More information coming from more different sources of analysis actually seem to drive better outcomes. So this year, um, as we were doing this particular stage of the report, and we, we kind of do a, a major report and we do these interim releases where we focus in on particular um, areas of information. As we were looking into it, it seemed to us that the, the area of software composition analysis, the open source components, was a really interesting area to, to drill into, not just because of the impact that it has on, as I said, things like remediation rates, but also because of the nature of applications in the modern world. You know, the more that we move to, to cloud native applications, the more open source stuff there is involved in our software, whether that be the components, which is what we're focusing on in this report, or actually the, the kind of infrastructure that it's built around, things like containers and the way that they're, they're assembled and hosted in cloud native environments. So there's, there's a lot of relevance to, to the modern way of developing software, um, but also it's, it's just good, interesting stuff to drill into. Definitely. There's um, a lot of fascinating areas that kind of got picked out. I'll, I'll bring up some statistics a little bit later in the show as we're kind of talking about this, but um, it, it's a great area to kind of focus on to make people kind of aware of what's going on from an open source perspective. But I think it's best coming from you. So the next logical question is, you know, we've got these report findings that kind of came out. What is the current landscape of application security when we're talking about this realm of open source libraries? The, the simplest answer to that is actually it's pretty much the same as every other element of software. There's some good and there's, there's definitely some bad. And one of the things that was striking to me quite early on in my time at Vericode as we were doing these, these reports was that we, we did look at, for our customers testing with static analysis, we did look at customers' applications that they had developed themselves and also applications that they'd had developed for them. So third party, not strictly speaking open source, but still software that wasn't of your own developers. And we were interested to see whether there was a difference, whether if we were buying in software from, from outside of the organization, would that inherently be more secure because we were buying from people that were specialists at writing this software? And what we found was no, makes absolutely no difference. All software, whether it's an entirely homegrown piece of software that you've written, a piece of software like modern software that has a bunch of components pulled into it, or even the individual components themselves. Software is a complex thing to write. It's full of unintended consequences and it's full of complexity that's, that's hard to map out into the, the, the long-term consequences of those things. So ultimately, open source components, yeah, they've, they've got vulnerabilities in just like everything else. And that's, that's why we see databases of known vulnerabilities like the NIST database, um, which, which is kind of a, a cornerstone for most software composition analysis information. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was fascinating to kind of see that approach. As you said, there's, there's not a lot of differences, but there are. There's, there's things that definitely kind of stand out and have, have come out of this report for sure. Because when we were having a read and kind of getting these questions together, 
there was a statistic in there that was saying that, you know, 79% of the time developers never update third-party libraries after including them in a code base, which is kind of a shocking thing to read at the end of the day. So what are the security risks or dangers of this? And why do you think it's happening at such an alarmingly high rate? Yeah, um, on its own, that statistic is really quite alarming. There's more behind that, of course. There's always more more that we can drill into with these things. And one of the things that I found fascinating about that particular statistic is, yeah, people often don't update the components that they're using. But at the time when they decide to use that component, I think a significant majority of organizations were taking time, care, and attention to select components that had a, a security posture that was acceptable to them, and also, of course, had a license uh, associated with it that was acceptable to their um, to their usage. Obviously, with open source components, you can have different licenses that carry with them different obligations. Um, and so organizations do take care about selecting what component they're going to use for a particular purpose. But the challenge comes that the state of the security of a piece of a piece of component that you're using or a component that you're using, it can change over time. You know, the component itself doesn't change. It doesn't suddenly rot and become inherently vulnerable. But people do research. They identify new things and they identify weaknesses or vulnerabilities in those components over time. The challenge is that if you're not made aware of that information, if the developers and the organization that's that's producing the software that's using it, if they're not aware that that's happened, then they don't know that they need to update the component to a more recent version that doesn't have any known vulnerabilities. And I think that's that's a big part of the challenge. It's getting the right information to the right people at the right time so they can make informed decisions. In fact, I seem to recall that there was a, another statistic in the report where once people were made aware that there were problems with a component, Actually, the fix rate was pretty good. The the rate at which people would, you know, within quite a short time frame, I think it was a week, they would have updated to a, a more recent, less vulnerable version of the library. But information is key here. And without getting that contextual information into the hands of the people responsible for writing and maintaining the application, well, you, you just don't get that information. And I think you asked there, what are the, the risks and dangers of this? Well, you know, it, it depends on the component and it depends on the vulnerability and it depends on how you're using it as to what the risk is. But I guess the underlying risk is that in any, in any situation where you're not looking after and not continually checking to understand what the security posture of the components that you're using is, then you can potentially run into problems where Un- unexpected vulnerabilities pop up. Um, there's actually a, there's a quote somewhere in the report which says that uh, libraries age like milk and anybody that's left a pint of milk out on the side when they went away for a few days and come back and found the results of that know that milk does not age well. Yes, I think that's the the perfect analogy there. And you're 100% right, with, without knowing to kind of look or having the time or the plan in place and we'll get to kind of how to address this a little bit later on but as you say it's it's kind of a case of do what you can because we know how busy this industry can be and how fast moving it can be these situations can't always be solved in the in the quickest of manners so 
it's it's interesting to kind of see that element in there. And another factor that comes into this report, which is really, really interesting, is the investigations into your popular libraries and the kind of main vulnerabilities or flaws that kind of take up a large chunk of that report. So why was that important to look at uh, in depth? And what were the, some of the key takeaways from that that you found interesting? Yeah, I think one of the reasons it was important to look at that, and in particular, you know, what we've looked at is for a range of different programming languages, how has popular popular components changed over time, um, particularly over a one-year period? And there's very different picture for different programming languages. And I, I think it's quite reflective of the, the maturity of the language and the ecosystem around it. So something like Java, which is, you know, it's not quite as old as the hills, but it's it's pretty well established and mature as a as a programming language and, a, and an environment. What we see there is an extremely stable environment in terms of popular libraries. Um, the the top five popular libraries that we looked at from 2019 are exactly the same as the the top five popular languages in uh, 2020. And I think that reflects that stability, that maturity of the the environment. Whereas when we look at some other languages like maybe Swift, where actually the component space in Swift is very rapidly evolving. I mean, that's much more, uh, much more dis- dispersed. You know, languages, uh, components have leapt from the top spot down to the bottom spot and, and vice versa and everything in between. There's been a real jumbling up of the, the components that are popular. So that's one facet of it. it. It helps you to understand just how turbulent the environment is for um, for different programming languages. The other thing that's interesting to look at there is not just what about what are the most popular components, but also what are the most popular components with known vulnerabilities, and how does that popularity change over time? Um, and again, you know, what we tend to see there is that. Some libraries with known vulnerabilities, they plummet. They plummet in popularity. Um, hopefully, that's down to the fact that people are realizing that they're, they're not particularly safe libraries to use. So we're, we're, definitely seeing, we're definitely seeing signs of insight in the market about what are good components to use. And that goes back to my point earlier that a lot of organizations do take great care over initially selecting a component it's over time that they don't necessarily adapt to that change. And again, it comes back to the aging milk analogy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it is good to, to hear that people are kind of, there's not real brand loyalty. If something's not working, don't stick with it. So that's always a good thing to kind of hear. I mean, one of the great things about open source is really there isn't brand. You know, these are all open source. They're all free to use. There's very little in the way of marketing associated with them, very little in the way of branding associated with them. So you are free to use them. You're free to move around. You're free to make choices. It's all about making the right choices and continually checking to know that you are still making the right choice. Yeah, those right choices that are working for you and working for your goals or the goals for the organization of, of what you're hoping to achieve, that's that's very true. And kind of leads me on to my, my nice kind of final question. It's the, it's the million-dollar question everyone's going to kind of be curious about, and I know there's not a one-fit answer for this, but... For those organizations that are, say, struggling with application security or they're noticing these kind of weaknesses and they're, they're wanting to kind of beef it up a little bit more, how should these organizations really go about addressing application security in this day and age and based on what, uh, what you guys have found? Well, 
I, I think this comes back to, to one of our points earlier on around the, um, the contextual information. This is all about getting the right information to the right people at the right time. And um, certainly, you know, from Vericode's point of view, obviously, we believe that we have very good uh, analysis technology that can really help organizations to identify and get that contextual information. But whoever you use, whatever technology you, you do, it's not enough to do it once. You need to be doing it continuously. You need to be continuously checking that the decisions that you've made are still the right decisions. So whether that's about continuously testing with static analysis technology to make sure that the changes that are happening to your software continue to, to produce safe, secure software, whether that's about continuously making use of software composition analysis technology so that you've got that insight into new known vulnerabilities that are popping up in components that you're using. Getting that information into the hands of the right people is always going to produce a better result than, than just hoping that, that the information is there. And I think one of the challenges in application security is that it, it sits at the intersection between software development and security. And in many organizations, the, the walls between those two parts of the organization are still pretty high. So one of the keys to having a successful approach to your application security in the modern age it's about breaking down those walls. It's about making it so that security are partners with the software development teams, that they're not, you know, they're not the, the team that likes to say no, they're the team that likes to enable, that likes to help, that likes to drive forward success and an improvement rather than just going around beating a stick. You know, I think in in the time that I've been in application security, we've gone from an environment where the, the really the only game in town for testing your software was to wait until the software was almost ready for release and then security would come in and either do a penetration test or some other kind of, of testing. They would then lob a whole bunch of findings back to the developers, typically in the form of any, either an Excel spreadsheet or a PDF report, and say, go off and fix this stuff. You can't go live without it. You know, frequently the outcome of that was that the business that was wanting this application to go live because it was going to drive competitive advantage in some way, they just override security, pushed the software out anyway, and, and nobody got what they wanted. Everybody was shouting each other, but there was no, no progress being made. The organizations that we work with that are having the most success with application security today are those where security and, and software development, they're, they're hand in hand. They have a shared accountability and a shared goal to produce software and operate software that is secure. Definitely. I think that's some fantastic advice um, for, for all security, even especially with software, but that unity across organizations and across departments for understanding the benefit is so, so important. So I think there's some fantastic bits of advice in there, John. Thanks for, for coming on today's show and, and walking us through this fantastic report and uh, giving us your insights. It's been great chatting with you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. If you would like more information on what we've discussed, then head on over to the vericode.com website. The uh, report can be found. There's a great big yellow bar at the top, and the, uh, the report kind of cycles through there. There's also some other fantastic resources on there if you want to go into further detail around application security. So that's vericode.com. 
We'll be back soon with another episode in this series. Until then, you can join the conversation at Ian360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you're looking for more great daily content, such as articles, videos, and of course, more podcasts, then head on over to Ian360Tech.com.